Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hello again, y'all, and welcome to Kitchen Table Theology and... Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're discovering what the scripture teaches regarding theological topics. Our goal is to always put the theological cookies on the bottom shelf where we can all reach them. And we try to do this in ways that are very applicable to the lives we live, because the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. We do this because we agree with what pastor and author A.W. Tozer once said, Bible doctrine without love is but a shadow of truth. Doctrine held in love is very truth indeed, and we dare not allow ourselves to be satisfied with anything less. That's a good one. We want to help you become a good theologian who knows, understands, and can discuss the doctrines of the Bible. And we want to help you be strong in your faith, knowledgeable in and of the Word, and growing in your love for Jesus. Today is our first episode in a series on the end times. The doctrine of the end times is also known as the doctrine of eschatology. Pastor Jeff, are we ready for this next podcast season? (laughs) Season? I'm just calling it a season. It's so heavy that we're going to call it a season versus a series. You're going to scare everyone away, including me. (laughs) Yeah, this is, well, hello again, kitchen table theologians. And it's a, I think this is the earliest we've ever recorded a podcast. I believe so. So if we sound extra... We're extra deep this morning. <laughs> extra deep. And your coffee smells great. It is. Yeah. It's um, it's something Christmassy. I think it's called Santa's White Christmas <laughs> from Barney's, and you too can purchase it at Publix. Who did hey, not Barney sponsor is not this. a sponsor. Don't give them any shout <laughs> did not sponsor this podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, we're going to jump into the doctrine of eschatology, mm. and I'm a little, I'm going to be honest, I'm a little bit nervous because it's, like you just said, it's, it's deep, but it's so vast, mm-hmm. and there's so many different ways to go on it. So, But here's what I will say right off the top. Kitchen Table Theologian, if you have any question about the end times, why don't you email it in? Mm. Pastor Jeff at lowcountrycc.org. Pastor Jeff at lowcountrycc.org. And we will do our best to, to answer the question that you may have regarding to the end times. Well, eschatology... The End Times does make the news, believe it or not, every now and then. It sure does. Uh, I remember nine years ago or so, May 2012, and this was one of the more highly publicized predictions in, in recent memory, came from a radio host named Harold Camping. I believe he is he has passed away since then, uh, but if he hasn't, sorry, Harold. <laughs> <laughs> and he, you know, there was so much in the news because he had predicted Judgment Day was arriving on May the 21st, 2012, mm. and it didn't, of course. But what got that in the news is so there was a bunch of other doomsday predictors who had their eyes on 2012 for a bunch of years, and a lot of them said the Mayan calendar placed the world, uh, the end of the world on May, oh, uh, sorry, December 21st, 2012. So there was a lot of that going on. So it makes the news every now and then. And eschatology is, is popular. People are always interested about it and in it, but it's a notoriously difficult area. 
in Christian theology. There, there are nearly as many theories on how to interpret the book of Re- Revelation, uh, for example, as there are books in the Left Behind series. That's mm. the, I don't know if you've ever read that. And the movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Kirk yeah. Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're right on it already early, Jen. You're, Pulling it out yeah, you everywhere. <laughs> It's it you know one of the, one of the things that's most contested I think in evangelical circles and in end time scholarship is the rapture hmm. that there is definitely going to be a rapture and just as many if not more say no there definitely will not be a rapture and not only when it will take place but if it will take place so hmm. there's there's just an awful lot going on here and because there is so much going on, there's so much to cover, there are so many questions, maybe as we begin, it might just be a good idea to explain what it is that we're going to be talking about, at least our, our baseline. We may go off on some threads every now and then. I'm sure we will. <laughs> but what we're going to be talking through for these next podcasts, let's start with the obvious. What exactly is eschatology? All right. Yeah. Good, good, good idea. Eschatology is the study of what the Bible says is going to happen in the end times. We automatically think of the entire book of Revelation, and then you couple that with Daniel and kitchen table theologian. You, Anytime you read Daniel, you ought to be running to Revelation. Anytime you read Revelation, you ought to be running back to Daniel. But Isaiah talks a lot about it. Paul in his letters talks a lot about it. It's all throughout the Bible. Many people regard eschatology as a branch of theology that we really just ought to avoid. And uh, quite frankly, I've left this go to the very last... <laughs> because you were trying to avoid it? <laughs> I was trying to avoid it. But, you know, it's it, it shouldn't be avoided because how we comprehend and view eschatology affects how we conduct our lives and what we may expect to happen in the overall plan of God. So eschatology unfolds the prophetic program, if you want to call it that, that God has for humanity, for Israel, for the church, and for the entire created order of the universe. Yeah. And I think a lot of people avoid it. They find it confusing. They have a lot of misunderstandings. There's different interpretations. There's symbolism. And yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. Tons of you know, I would say it's flowery language. It's, you know, figurative language that that's there. So if it is this unfulfilled prophecy, why should we study that? Yeah, that's a good question. After all, you know, fulfilled prophecy is a whole lot easier to study. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I'd much rather Hindsight's study. Hindsight's 20-20, the whole deal, yeah. <laughs> that's why we like Christmas, because, you know, Jesus' first advent is all fulfilled prophecy. Well, to answer the question, why, why study unfulfilled prophecy, it might be a good reminder just to acknowledge it's, it's unhealthy— for us, if we were to have such a fixation on the future that we ignore the present. And, and there are a lot of people who are so fixated on eschatology and the end times, and they see signs in, I mean, just in everything, you know, in blood from blood moons mm-hmm. to geopolitical machinations between nations. And it's like everything has to do with end times. And it's sort of the old adage, you know, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of that going on, but we're going to not do that here. You know, a, a proper, this is hard to say, a proper perspective on prophecy. Say oh, that yeah, ten, ten times. times. A proper perspective on prophecy 
does purify our lives. You know, we read in the New Testament that the knowledge that Christ is returning and it's his return is imminent is is a is a goad to us, it's a spur to live a holy life. It prepares us for what's to come. It it reminds us to share the gospel. It it helps us focus on future and eternal things, which, you know, in uh in in right balance, that's a wonderful thing that we should do. And it also proves the faithfulness of God. So that said, let, let's give ourselves a, a, a biblical grounding for this. So, Jen, how about reading Paul's, from Paul's letter to Titus? And we'll, we'll just use this sort of as our foundation to kick things off. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. Sure. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us for every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Thank you. Yes, so Paul says we're to live sensibly, righteously, and godly. In the present age, and while we're doing that, we're to be looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he's reminding us that the idea of a present age assumes a future age. Uh, we have, as Christians, a future beyond the pain of this world. We know there's something better farther on. That sounds like, I think that's a line from an old song. But we we know, we know as Christians— we know where we will be 100 years from now, mm. 200 years from now. However, while we are here, we live in a certain manner. We're, 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 we are to live in a certain manner, I should say. The Christian lives on the, on the tiptoe of expectancy waiting for the rapture. Now, that I'm tipping my hand here. I believe in the rapture. Mm. So, But what, the way that we're going to go through this and what we cover— We'll present the various views, and so Kitchen Table Theologian, you study the Word, and you land on your own views of that, but I I believe in the rapture is going to occur. And that is, Jesus might come today. We expect Him to come momentarily. Anyway, His coming, I believe the Bible tells us, is imminent. There's no sign that needs fulfillment before He comes. Mm -hmm. Uh, To some extent, and other extents, people say, well, yeah, there is. There's an awful lot. He might not come for years, but there is nothing preventing his coming today. And there, you just mentioned the rapture, and that's an important term to kind of define as we move into the study, and there are many others as well, so why don't we define the terms we're going to be addressing and hearing in the upcoming podcast? Yeah, I think it would be good now to gain some understanding of what these things are as we talk them through. Sure, so let's start with rapture. What is that? The rapture, we can define that as an instantaneous gathering up of the whole church from the earth to meet Christ in the air and be with him forever. He will appear in the air, the trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ will rise first, then those of us, Paul says to in the First Thessalonians, those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. And that kicks off the seven-year tribulation 
Okay. Period. But that topic in and of itself has a lot of disagreement, right? And this, again, one of the reasons why people don't like to talk about eschatology. Yes, there are lots of people who don't believe in the rapture, and they have every right to be wrong. In a literal rapture, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, there's, there's, you know, the, the, the church historically has believed that, that there is no such thing as a rapture mm-hmm. for... 17, 1800 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, and I think the majority of Christians today who are alive do not hold to a, a literal rapture. Mm-hmm. They tie that into the second coming mm-hmm. at the end of the tribulation. But that's, that's why we're going to do this podcast mm-hmm. series on eschatology. Well, as we always like to do, let's pull pre- people back into Scripture on this topic. That would be a good idea. Yeah. On the rapture? <laughs> on the rapture, yeah. Yeah, well, I mentioned that First Thessalonians passage, so that's in chapter 4, and we've got that in front of us, so how about reading that one? Sure. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have, who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even though through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven, and with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we will always be with the Lord." Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Yeah, that's that's the uh, I think the main passage as it as it regards the rapture, and we will spend an entire podcast on that, whether yes or no, or mm-hmm. and and what differing theological camps believe about that. Sure, you also mentioned a second coming of Christ. What is that exactly, and is that the same thing as the rapture? Or is that something different? Some say yes, some say no. Um, that is <laughs> clear as mud. <laughs> in, in my theology, that's different. The second coming is different from the rapture. Mm. The rapture occurs that kicks off the seven-year tribulational period. At the end of the seven-year tribulation, the second coming of Christ. So then, the rapture, Christ appears and we see him in the sky. Mm-hmm. The second coming, he comes to earth. Actually. So the second coming is the bodily return of Christ to the earth in glory, first as its judge and then as its king. Okay. So second coming, rapture. What about this seven-year period known as the tribulation? Yeah, so that's seven years before the second coming, during which, during that time, there's going to be great suffering Great distress on earth. The first three and a half years are not as intense as the second three and a half years, but it's definitely divided into two three and a half year periods. God pours out his promised wrath against sin. The tribulations of a future period of time when God will finish his discipline of Israel, finalize his judgment of the unbelieving world. Now, the church, made up of all who have trusted in the person and work of the Lord Jesus to save them from eternal punishment, in my theology, will not be present during the tribulation. I have a lot of wonderful friends. They love Jesus. They believe the church will go through the tribulation, Mm -hmm. 
and the reason will be to purify the church. Hmm. But you know, if you believe in the rapture, the church will be removed from the earth at that the moment of when Christ shouts and the trumpet sounds. So in that in that sense, the church is saved from the wrath to come, and first Thessalonians five nine says that. Throughout Scripture, the tribulation is referred to by other names. Some of those names in Isaiah, Joel, for Thessalonians, called the Day of the Lord. Trouble or tribulation, Deuteronomy, Zephaniah, the Great Tribulation, which refers to the more intense second half. So there's a tribulation, and then some people believe Matthew 24 refers to the Great Tribulation. That's the second half of the seven-year period. In Daniel and Zephaniah, it's called a time or day of trouble. And in Jeremiah, it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. Well, that sounds like that's going to be an interesting podcast. <laughs> that's probably going to be more than one uh, podcast. By two, the, three. Yeah, two or three or <laughs> yeah, four or five. Okay, well, let's hit another term that's important for us to understand. You mentioned the millennium. Yeah, the millennium is, is the thousand-year period, and we, we see that in Revelation 20. During that time, Christ will reign on earth— and as he does that, he fulfills the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, and the new covenant. Remember when, uh, remember during the Passover meal, and we talked about this, I think, during the just the recent podcast on the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the new covenant in my blood. Well, he'll fulfill that new covenant. It, it, that 1,000-year millennial reign of Christ will be a period of peace and prosperity and righteousness. But I've also heard a, a kind of a, a prefix to that, a pre-millennium or pre-millennialism. What, what is that? Well, there's pre-millennialism, there's post-millennialism, mm-hmm. and we'll just try to make this real clear because I, I, I hope this is not getting confusing already. <laughs> and we'll call that pre-mill. Okay. We'll call the other one post-mill. Okay. Pre-millennialism is the view that the second coming will occur first and then be followed by the literal fulfillment of the millennium of Revelation 20. So premillennialists can be divided into two groups with respect to their their kind of their central approach to the prophetic scriptures. There's historic premillennialists and there's dispensational premillennialists and everybody's going I'm not going to listen to this anymore. This is where- <laughs> I'm already smiling and kind of throwing up my hands like oh goodness. <laughs> well, we'll we'll talk about that and it it won't be we're just doing a lot of terms today. Sure. The basic difference between them is the emphasis that each gives to the nation of Israel during the millennial period. Okay. So the, the that's premill. Okay. And what about postmillennialism? Postmill is the view that the world will be Christianized gradually, like now, hmm. and and the church will reign for a millennium, after which the second coming hmm. will occur. So post millennials believe that the kingdom of God can come, and 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 we can start its fulfillment now mm-hmm. here on earth. So th- that that pr- that post mill term includes similar uh, several similar views of the end times. And it's very much post mill is very much in contrast to, to pre mill. So anyway, post millennialism is the belief that Christ returns after a period of time, but it's not necessarily a literal one thousand mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. And those who hold the post mill view 
Don't interpret unfulfilled prophecy using a normal, literal method. They believe Revelation 20, some of the verses in that, should not be taken literally. Hmm. They believe that 1,000 years simply means a long period of time. The prefix post in postmillennialism denotes the view that Christ will return after Christians, not not Christ, but Christians have established the kingdom, his kingdom on this earth. Hmm. Okay. Well, kitchen table theologians, if you're feeling a bit like me right now, this is getting a little bit confusing, but don't worry. That's why we are here. Or We're here to confuse. That's why Pastor Jeff is here. <laughs> <laughs> and we will take on all of these topics one at a time, break them down, and give the basics of each view. Walk through it all together. We just have a few more to cover today, so let's ask Pastor Jeff to tell us about amillennialism. Yeah, we're getting near the end here, okay. so just everybody <laughs> hang in there. Okay, amillennialism. Oh, is it ah? I don't know. It just depends. I, a, 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 I think I've heard it more often pronounced amillennialism. Mm. It's just the letter A in front of the word mm-hmm. millennialism. That's the view that there will be no millennium involving an earthly rule of either Christ for the church or the church. That the second coming of Christ, they believe, will simply occur at the end of history. Now, that's not a widely held, widely held view. That's hard to say. And that Amil view is really adhered to by a minority of, of Christians, and it, it has so little biblical basis. Gotcha. So we've got pre, post, and Amil yeah. views. Yeah. Let's end it by going back to the rapture, because it has some similar settings, right? Back to the rapture. Back to the rapture. Yeah, well, when it comes to the tribulation, you got all kinds of differing views there as well. There's pre-tribulation views. Mid-tribulation views, post-tribulation views, all affectionately known as pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib. Well, that's the hip lingo, right? We are down with the hip lingo. If you believe in a lot of old dead theologians (laughs) are hip, yeah, then that's really hip. Well, let's start like we did with millennialism. Let's start with pre-tribulation or pre-trib. So pre-trib's easier for me because that's what I hold to. I'm pre-trib, pre-mill. Pre-tribulationism is the view that the rapture will take place in history without warning, after which the seven-year tribulation will begin and be followed at its completion by the second coming of Christ. Thus, the church will not go through the tribulation. That's, that's pre-trib. Okay. What about mid-trib? Mid-tribulationism is the view that the rapture will take place at that three-and-a-half-year mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. so midway through the tribulation, that's why it's called mid-trib. So three-and-a-half years in, that's when the rapture occurs. So mid-trib people hold to the rapture, but not the beginning of the tribulation in the middle of the tribulation. The second coming, they believe, will occur at the end of the tribulation, so they have that in common with the pre-trib folks. And they believe then that the church will not go through the second half of the tribulation. Okay. So following that logic, I think we can kind of guess what post-trib is, but go ahead and tell us. Well, why don't you guess then, Smarty? Well, <laughs> I don't want to go that far. <laughs> Just trying to help us feel a little bit more confident here today, Pastor Jeff. <laughs> okay, post, post-trib, and I, I think the majority of Christians around the world hold to this view. Post-tribulationism is a view that the rapture will coincide with the second coming of Christ at the end of the tribulation, thus the church will go through hmm. the tribulation. 
Now, Dr. Bruce Ware at Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, I did some postgraduate work there. He writes it like this, The church will go through the tribulation rather than being raptured out before or in the middle of the tribulation. Now, this is him just explaining this view. I don't know that he mm-hmm. adheres to this view. So he says this, Thus, the rapture of the church and the resurrection of all dead saints occur at the same time at the end of the seven-year tribulation. This unitary event is distinguished by first a coming for the saints and then immediately a coming with the saints. Generally, post-tribulationists see the church as having replaced national Israel as the covenant people of God. And there's a lot of that that goes on in eschatological views as well, that depending whether you're a covenant theologian, a dispensational theologian, that um, that that God worked through Israel, mm-hmm. and then they point you to a passage, uh, dispensationalists point you to a passage in Matthew that says at that moment Jesus moved from only dealing with the Jews to starting to deal with the Gentiles. Mm. And that that began his uh, the church age, which really didn't give birth until Acts chapter 2. But anyway, I, I sort of got off there. I, I, I nerded out a little bit. I'm sorry and got us off track. We're, we're finished. We're finished, but <laughs> it's not over yet. But this There's... is what we'll be talking about, and we'll take our time with all of it, and I'll do my very best to explain it. And so today was a jumble. We just did a lot of stuff, a lot but of definitions. To, right. You got to lay the groundwork. We got to lay the groundwork. We wanted you to understand what the definitions of these things are. We'll just we'll define it all again, but we're going to go through these step by step over the over these ensuing podcasts. And I have no idea how long this will probably be the longest podcast series, though. We'll just see how it goes. <laughs> what would be wonderful is if the rapture occurred before we were finished, and I wouldn't have to do all of this work to so get then it. Then you ready. might you wouldn't say you'd be saved by the bell; you'd be saved by the trumpet. That's and, right. Ah, uh, uh, so funny. And if that does happen, I could say, see, I told you pre-trip was the right way there to go. There you go. There you go. Well, hey, thanks for sticking with us, and thanks so much for joining us today. If you listen to this podcast, don't forget to hit the subscribe well, right, button. They do listen to this podcast. Oh, well, if they enjoyed it, they'd have to enjoy it. They might have listened, but no, Now, that's debatable, yeah, yes. That's debatable. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you did enjoy the podcast after you listened to it, then hit Please subscribe. subscribe. <laughs> and share this podcast. Do consider leaving a review and letting other people know. That lets us get the word out about Kitchen Table Theology. And head over to jeffcranston.com for all of our previous episodes. And always check out each episode's show notes right here where you listen from. And Pastor Jeff, we're right in the middle of the shopping season. As Do you have said. your shopping done? Oh, I have my. I have a goal set every year. I typically have my shopping done the day after Thanksgiving, and I missed it by a few days. There's this, so many women that hate you right now oh, by saying it, that. So you're you're done. I done. Start you're just in picked... August, though. <laughs> I tuck little I things shocked? away. <laughs> when do you decorate for Christmas? Oh, that's a whole long story. I I now have tra- I have post Halloween. I do, but I, we had a Thanksgiving tree this year, oh and my then word. we had transitional decor. Transition, yes, and then <laughs> and then we had all the color of Christmas as soon as Santa turns the corner on Thirty Fourth Street and comes down Whatever. the parade on Thanksgiving Day for the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade. You've 
You're deep into this. It is. Okay. It's a strategy. I'm, it's a strategy. I'm so sorry I asked. <laughs> well, for those of you that are still shopping, Pastor Jeff has two books out, Happily Ever After, which is a study of the Beatitudes, yep. and Your Greatest Adventure, designed for the new believer to get them off and running in their faith. Both are available at Amazon, so head on over and get your copies today. And we want to give a special thanks and a shout out to our sound engineer, Anna Showenstra, and to Low Country Community Church right here in Bluffton for making this podcast possible. And thank you, Kitchen Table Theologian community, for your support, your questions, and your encouragement all along the way as we remember that the real power of theology is not just knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.